Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. CareerBuilder is made for people who have that thing. You know, those superpowers that make you good at your job. The skills you bring to work. And CareerBuilder knows those skills make you right for other jobs, too. Higher-paying jobs with benefits. Jobs you never thought of trying. Are you a people person? Work from home as a customer service rep. Are you organized and like driving? Become a delivery driver. You have the skills it takes, and CareerBuilder.com has the jobs to get you hired fast. Visit CareerBuilder.com. everybody it's tuesday january 16th 2024 welcome to the nfl fantasy football podcast where we're believers in the power of love it's me your man mg marcus grant joined by michael f florio and laquan jones and uh i guess let's just start with the respective weekends Uh, florio i assume yours ended on a better note than lq's how was your weekend my weekend was good. Uh, it was a lot of anticipation for Monday. Uh, time moves slowest when you, the hours before your team plays a playoff game, I'm convinced. But uh, now I'm sitting here today wondering, do I splurge and go crazy and try to fly to Buffalo this weekend? Ooh, <laughs> nice. Uh, Laquan, I know you have no such issues of wanting to go on a road for a playoff game. But the overall, how are, how are you feeling? How's Rams Nation feeling right now? I think we're we're okay. Because I feel like a lot of people understand, like, we weren't supposed to be there. We were the rebuild team and we didn't have a shot and the whole storyline versus golf and stuff like. But overall, me personally, I'm okay. You know, I was standing up for like 30 minutes of that game. In front of the team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is what it is. But we, we almost got them. But, you know, I'm happy for golf. Yeah, I think that's sort of the thing, right, where for Rams fans, yeah, I'm sure obviously you're disappointed when your team loses, but you guys understood you're playing with house money a little bit. Um, They they weren't supposed to be there. So while a loss is disappointing, it is not soul crushing. You could be Cowboys or Eagles fans today, (laughs) right? Where it's tough out there. <laughs> it's tough out there, right? I mean, they had expectations. They had hope. There was a belief that one of those teams was supposed to get to the NFC Championship game, and uh, both of them not only lost in the first round, but lost badly in, in the first round. So <laughs> I sit here and, you know, enjoying the fact that I didn't have to stress over my team this week. But, you know, oh, this, look at you. <laughs> this weekend will be a different story, especially because the Packers are playing really, really well. So Niners and Packers have had some really interesting playoff games. We'll see what happens coming up this Saturday. We will uh, dive into 
Super Wild Card Weekend and uh, kind of go over some of the things we saw and uh, maybe what this means potentially for next year, if anything. Uh, also, we talk about the players that we can't quit, the guys who, for one reason or another, maybe didn't live up to our expectations, but that we're not ready to give up on heading into 2024. But let's start uh, with a couple of news items. Uh, one that actually had here, I thought we were going to get to it last week, but then the Belichick news happened and Pete Carroll uh, happened. And so they kind of had to throw that out the way and, and get to those other things. But the Bears specifically, right? Obviously not in the playoffs, uh, but a lot of stuff swirling around them because they do have the number one overall pick courtesy of the Carolina Panthers from the, the DJ Moore trade that landed uh, Bryce Young in Charlotte. Since the season has ended, the Bears have fired offensive coordinator Luke Getze, uh, a handful of offensive assistants. Uh, Caleb Williams, the former Heisman Trophy, I guess not former, once you win a Heisman Trophy, you're always a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. <laughs> uh, but the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback from USC, to the surprise of no one, has declared for the 2024 NFL Draft. And then news that came out on Monday that the Bears have interviewed Greg Roman, former offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, to take over the OC job there in Chicago. And so as we sit here trying to read the tea leaves, put all these pieces together and use our best guess as to what any of that means, uh, Florio, I mean, I'll start with you. Does this mean that they're going to maybe build around Justin Fields? Is he gone? What, what are you sort of trying to figure out from what you've seen? I think firing the OC is an indication that, it, it, look, this is the murkiest situation I think maybe ever because you fire the OC and you think, okay, they're going to rebuild their offense. They're going to use this number one pick on Caleb Williams. But then they don't fire Matt Eberflus and you're like, are the Bears really going to do this again where they draft a quarterback with a lame duck head coach, probably move on a year later uh, and, and just be stuck in that purgatory cycle? Greg Roman is the first indication that maybe they are serious about keeping Justin Fields. I think they're talking to him to see what the plan for Fields would be because Ryan Poles is a smart dude and he said he's going to check off every box. So I think they're going to go into this and be like, what does it look like if we build around Justin Fields? What does it look like if we build around Caleb Williams and kind of go from there? But I'm of the mindset that they are going to move on from Justin Fields. I, I am a Justin Fields believer and a fan and all of that, but I get the logic of we reset the rookie clock. Uh, this is a player that has been hyped up as a generational talent for years already. The Greg Roman thing maybe leads towards Justin Fields. Uh, please, for DJ Moore's sake, do not hire Greg Roman. Um, <laughs> but besides that, I, I still am of the thinking that Caleb Williams or maybe it's Drake May or whoever they like most overall will be their QB next year, not Justin Fields. What about you, OK? I mean, do you think do you think this is a move to go get uh, Caleb? Williams or or do they surprise us and maybe uh, try to build around fields? I mean, they have until May really to figure out with this fifth year option, but this does show indication that they're trying to find somebody that can get the job done. I mean, it'll be his third offensive coordinator in four seasons. I mean, if there's anybody that can get it done, is it Greg Roman? I don't know, but why go into not sticking with a guy that kind of knows somewhat of this this organization like Justin Fields and this O-line is terrible. I would hate to put Caleb Williams behind that O-line, you know, going into the next season, even with the improvements that they have. I just don't feel as though 
that'll be great for an OC to come in with a young quarterback with a terrible line. You're, you're risking a ton there. So I think you do stick with Justin Fields if you get Greg Roman in there. I mean, I, I know Florio mentioned it too. It might be curtains for DJ Moore if he comes in there, but I, I really do feel like, you know, they should stick with Fields. He has tons and tons of tape on there where he's showing great things, showing flashes. There's just other variables out there. I mean, we have DJ Moore, we have Cole Komet, but we need that wide receiver too. We thought it was Darnell Mooney. It's not. So they need more pieces. They need to figure out that running back room as, as well. You know, you got Deontay Foreman, who's a very good, solid running back too. Roshan Johnson, the young talent there, he's able to catch passes out of backfield, but he's more so like the future. And then you have, you know, Cleo Herbert. I mean, there's so many variables here where they need to figure out this offense before they bring in a new guy like Greg Roman. I do wonder if it depends on who they ultimately hire and who makes the best case as offensive coordinator. I think Greg Roman works for Justin Fields. I know the immediate response was, uh, I don't know. I mean, just seeing the way things ended in Baltimore. But also, he figured out how to build an offense. Lamar Jackson's an amazing quarterback, right? And yeah. I think you have a guy who was that talented. It's not super hard to build an offense around him. But he did get a lot out of Lamar Jackson. They moved on in Baltimore because they felt like somebody could maybe get more out of Jackson. And I, I reserve judgment on Todd Munkin after just one season. I want to see what happens when they get an offseason to work together, when, you know, say a guy like Zay Flowers has more opportunities, if they can find a way, you know, get a healthy Mark Andrews back, see if maybe Rashad Bateman can grow into something. But that's just a way of saying that, look, Justin Fields and Greg Roman could be – I don't want to call it a starter pack, right? Because for Fields, this is going to be, you know, another year in the NFL. He's been through a rookie contract, basically, and they got to figure out what to do. But I do think he's the guy that can maybe move them, move Fields along. If there's another offensive coordinator there, though, who has a different philosophy, then it could be someone else. It could be that they go to Caleb Williams. Yeah. I, I would admit, I have kind of gone round and round on this for a while and not really settling on an answer. Um, this is just really, you know, I don't know if one of y'all, like, I, we should just text Adam Wright, get him on the show, let him. <laughs> he thinks they're trading fields. I think he believes that too. Yeah, I'm not even going to ask Frank a question. I'm just going to say bears go. And we all know Adam Rank. He will go on for the next 30 <laughs> minutes about what could happen. It'll be the easiest show we ever did. All jokes aside, we love rank. Um, it is really a big question about what is going to happen here with Justin Fields. And, and I guess we're not going to get any clear answers for a while. It, it's the defining decision of Ryan Pohl's career as the Bears GM, I would say, because he's not the one who drafted yeah. Justin Fields. So for a while, I have been of the mindset like this isn't Pohl's guy. Like, remember what he did the first year where he brought no help in and yeah. he was just like, we're going to add to the D-line and O-line and that's it. It kind of looked like he was setting him up for failure. So if he decides Fields is the guy, then that is who he is tying his ship to for probably his tenure as the GM. Uh, whereas that that's another reason why I kind of think he's going to want his own guy. But who knows? He could maybe he's seen enough out of Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, and I know that's the argument sort of against Fields, right, is that you're still trying to figure out how to get him to that next level. And it's one thing to do it when you have a couple years on that rookie contract as opposed to being faced with the option of having to pay him uh, a significant amount, pay him closer to some of the veteran quarterbacks in the league. So I think that's going to be the biggest issue. Fans also change once people like right now, it's like he's our guy. We drafted this kid. Once he's getting that 40 million a year, people are going to be like, we want results right we now. We need results. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> um, and especially, especially if Caleb Williams goes somewhere else and has success. 
You know, look, if Caleb Williams comes out and has a CJ Stroud like rookie year, uh, you know, the guy that they expect Caleb to be, then, yeah, uh, if Justin Fields isn't doing something similar, it's going to be headaches in Chicago, to say the very, very least. By the way, as I was talking, this tweet came across from Tom Pelissero. The Saints have fired offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael. Oh. Um, so there's a there's a, an offensive coordinator that's out there available for the Bears to talk to. Um, we'll see what happens. The Saints have a whole other slew of issues, and that's another thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, probably for another time. Um, let's get into the, the wild card weekend. Super wild card weekend. Uh, it was pointed out to me, by the way, that... Wildcard weekend is a cool name, right? It has Super Wildcard Weekend. And we like a couple weeks, we have Championship Sunday and, of course, Super Bowl Sunday. This week's just the divisional round. <laughs> like, boring. there's no. There's and it's no, the best week yeah. of, play, of playoff football every year. It probably is, right? But, like, it doesn't have, like, a great fun name or anything like that. It's just, no. the, it's, it's, you know, at least when it comes to naming, it's the Jan Brady of the NFL playoffs. Like, it's just <laughs> there. And nobody gives it a fun, cutesy nickname. But anyway, quick rundown of the scores, just in case somehow you were under a rock or maybe traveling or what have you. Uh, Texans roll past the Browns 45-15. Chiefs shut down the Dolphins 26-7. Packers embarrassed the Cowboys 48-32 in a game that wasn't that close. Uh, The only really competitive game of the weekend, Lions hang on to beat the Rams (laughs) 24-23. Sorry, LQ. Uh, Bills 31-17 over the Steelers and the Bucks. Uh, finished off the Eagles and their misery 32 to nine, the final score in that one. But what I thought about as I was sort of watching these games and I was on the road, so I didn't get to sit and necessarily digest all of them, uh, in full. But one thing I started to think about is how much does a playoff run factor into next year's fantasy ADP? I mean, put another way, what matters more? Is it the body of work over a regular season or Laquan, is it about just one big pressure packed game? I mean, how much do you pay attention to these sorts of things uh, when you start your draft process next year? I mean, you start to look at more opportunity in the big games for like the young you know, players that we wanted to explode earlier this season. But give me the body of work during the regular season. That's where all my fantasy points are going to matter and come from. That's where I'm going to decide if I'm even going to the fantasy playoffs or not. So I kind of look at if they pop off during the playoffs, you know, that's great. You're getting more opportunity on the field, more eyes are on you. You could take that momentum going into, you know, the offseason into the next fantasy season. But I'm more so of a guy like, let me know what you're doing, you know, weeks one through 17. Like, that's what really matters to me. Okay, so then along those lines, Florio, let's say, you know, you got Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, neither one of those guys played very well in the playoffs versus, say, C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love, who balled out. Um, I mean, does how much of this does it shuffle your rankings, say, for next year, if at all? Not a whole lot at all. Um, I think it's really encouraging to see those young quarterbacks play well. I think that quarterbacks a little different because these two have been ascending all year, especially late in the season. And then to do it in the big like on a big stage like that, you're like, okay, these guys are the real deal. So I think it's a little bit different for quarterback. But like the ultimate example is Gabe Davis, right? Like, remember 2021 playoffs against the Chiefs, 200 yards, four touchdowns, one of like two players ever to do that in a playoff game. And it's like, this guy is amazing. He is going to break out. And look at what Gabe Davis has been the last two years. So, nothing but pain. I, I, I think people overhype 
playoff games. I, I agree with what LQ said. I think like if you're a young player and you're getting opportunity in the big game, it shows that the coaching staff has trust in you. But if you have a random big stat game and it didn't really show over the course of a 17 game season, I'm not going to put a whole bunch in. I mean, football is a small sample size game to begin with. And yep. you break it down into one game. That is the smallest of sample sizes. Yeah, nah. I, I mean, I, I think that's true, right? I, and the, the one that popped into my head immediately was Joe Flacco's Super Bowl run, right? With the, uh, the Ravens, where he just he crushed through the playoffs. And I do remember cautioning afterwards, and I wasn't the only one, that, hey, man, look, Joe Flacco, what we saw in the playoffs was nice, it doesn't translate into what we have seen from Joe Flacco throughout his career. And the year after that, he was meh. You know, I mean, he was Joe Flacco, right? There was nothing spectacular. He wasn't, he wasn't awful, um, but it wasn't special either. And I think that sort of applies. But I do have to say that seeing Jalen Hurts down the stretch and what that offense did, um, when teams started to kind of bring more pressure on the Eagles, uh, and... And even with Dak, I think to an extent, because he was great in the regular season, but him sort of falling apart in the playoffs is is a common thing. Throwing the fact that two years ago he was sort of a turnover machine, I do have questions now. I I, I think with Jalen Hurts, I think the the rushing ability still means he's going to be drafted as a top three quarterback. I think that's fair, but I think whereas maybe a month ago. You might have been having people maybe maybe make a case for Dak Prescott creeping into the top five or six. This kind of knocks him back down toward the bottom half of that QB one territory. Am I am I crazy for that? No, I I actually agree. I mean, it, it it's been a rough season for Dak and for Hertz when it comes to the big games. And you know, we just saw Dak, you know, kind of throw two interceptions against the Packers. But I don't I don't think you know. I can have Dak and Hurts as my top five, you know, quarterbacks off the board going in next season, just based on we're seeing Hurts kind of fall apart now without the proper play calling. And for no reason, you should have DeAndre Swift, you know, only 10 carries in a big playoff game. I mean, we know they're a good run offense, but there's other pieces that you need to get going as well if you're going to be missing A.J. Brown. I think there's just a lot to figure out in Philly, and there's still some things to figure out, you know, in Dallas as well. I think with Philly that the, they have to figure their issues out. And that has a lot to like for Dak. I understand the narrative that he can't win in the playoffs. Luckily, the playoffs aren't until after the fantasy football season. So yeah. it, to, like to me, a bigger one is like Tua I'm worried about because not only did Tua struggle in the playoffs, he struggled against top defenses all year long. Uh, so so that is one that kind of stood out to me. Like maybe that's not the guy, but like if you're the Cowboys and I've seen a lot of people say they should move on from Dak. It's like, okay, for who? To who? <laughs> that, that is always the, the huge question that no one has an answer to. Like, I think he's the guy. They just have other areas they need to address. They they need a you know a consistent wide receiver too. Pollard was good this year, but he wasn't great. Like, they need to yeah. make a splash this offseason and get a running back that's going to come in there and you know, handle the job and the wide receiver too in mind that, you know, we can start talking free aging another show, but T Higgins would be great. Derek Henry would be great with Dallas next year to kind of give Dak some, some of the pressure off of him to make unbelievable plays and have the season he just had now, you know, but they, they have issues as well as Philly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think with, you mentioned Tony Pollard and maybe this is a, a bigger conversation for another time. It almost is like what the argument had been against him for all, for the, you know, most of these years that, 
is he good enough to be a frontline guy? And I, I'm not sure it is. I, I think he's more a guy who's efficient in smaller doses, um, yep. but I'm not sure he's ready to, to be that guy. And so if anything, I think the Cowboys bring in somebody who can sort of compliment him, uh, you know, be that guy to take some of the, the opportunity away from him. With Hertz, the other, the other thing I will keep in mind with Hertz is, do they make coaching changes in Philadelphia? I don't know. As much as Cowboy fans, I think, are ready to punt on Mike McCarthy, I don't necessarily know if they do that just because the offense was humming from the bye week through the end of the season. Yeah. But um, Philadelphia might have to make some changes. Uh, people are upset with Nick Sirianni. The offense struggled down the stretch. I think they definitely are going to move on from Matt Patricia as the defensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> and how much that impacts the offense, I think, remains to be seen uh, heading into next year. Uh, another guy who had a really, really big playoff game that we didn't see much from during the season was Aaron Jones. Uh, you know, I think I saw the hashtag free Aaron Jones a couple of times during that <laughs> game, three touchdowns against the Cowboys. I mean, LQ, does he really get his opportunity or are the Packers going to find a way to put somebody else there to be a thorn in our side again? I think he's the guy, man. I think AJ Dillon's out. He's a free agent. I don't think they bring in a big splash type of free agent. Like we could be looking at like a Chase Edmonds type tier guy coming in to kind of change the pace, or they already have a guy in the building. I forget his name at the moment, but I feel like, you know, Aaron Jones, man, the last four games, a hundred plus yards. I mean, he's looked explosive, you know, the finishing season strong. He missed six games this season with a hamstring. So in the middle of the season, it did look a little worrisome where you could possibly put the idea that they'll move on at running back. But the way he's running right now, healthy, I, I don't think that you do make that move to move on from because him and Jordan Love are gelling just as fine. I just wondered, is this, are we done? Are we done with Quadzilla, Gloria? Yes. <laughs> yes. Done Done with Quadzilla. Um, I think they I do think they bring in another running back this offseason because Aaron Jones is 29 mm-hmm. and my concern, I, I like like LQ said, he was hurt all year. But my concern is, is this going to kind of become a trend where they try to ease his touches in the season so late in the year they could just run him wild? Uh, because we have seen teams do that before. I, I think Aaron Jones is an amazing running back. I'm just not sure I'm going to be in on him in fantasy next year. Yeah, I just I, I'm curious what happens with him. Right, what the future is going to be? Um, Patrick Taylor, anyone? Anyone? Yeah, Bueller, yeah. Bueller. Uh, I don't know. The, the Packers have just never shown us that they want Aaron Jones to be the full time workhorse back. And as you mentioned, Florio, him being 29 seems less likely that he's suddenly going to get that kind of opportunity in Green Bay. So, I mean, we'll sort of see. But it was nice to see him late in the season because going back to the end of the regular season, four straight games with over 100 rushing yards. Finally had the touchdowns kind of come through uh, in the wild card playoff game. Maybe it was him getting healthy. He just really struggled with his health in the early part of the season. And maybe this was him getting back to where he was, uh, you know, say last season before he got hurt. Uh, we'll see. But it was nice to see it happen. Uh, you know, you're right. Maybe he does still end up as kind of a high end mid RB2 next year. In I'll drafts. Take it. That's fine. We'll send. Um, <laughs> like, so I just I just still think about think back about what could have been. Um, all these years, if he wasn't, you know, sharing with Jamal Williams, uh, then AJ Dillon, if we just had maximum Aaron Jones, what it could have been there. I don't know. Uh, also, I'm going to ask you this, Florio, as the resident Bills fan uh, here. Where is Stefan Diggs? I mean, I, I don't mean that literally because yeah, he had some catches or whatever, but we haven't seen a really big Stefan Diggs game in a long time. He's on the Steelers sideline drinking their water. That's what he's doing. <laughs> <part>. uh, <laughs> yesterday was... Uh, 
It was because team high nine targets, seven catches, 52 yards. It kind of seemed like they're using him similar to the way the Rams were using Cooper Cup, which it's like, we're not going to throw to you all game long. We're going to use everyone else. But when we need a big play, you're the guy we go to. But three straight weeks before this one, Diggs was open downfield and they just didn't connect. They tried this past week. It got broken up. It was defended really well. They keep saying every week, like, we are going to hit on one of these big plays eventually. So, fingers crossed, Diggs. This is the week you've been waiting for for that (laughs) against the Chiefs. But, uh, yeah, I I don't know if he's – there's a lot of rumors going around if he's banged up or whatever. And there was a play. I think he got the wind knocked out of him, but he got hit and he was down for a while after it. I I don't know if he's fully healthy. I don't know if we're seeing a a late career decline because he's still – when, when they need to go to him, he still gets open a lot, like I was saying with Cooper Cup, but it's just not nearly as consistent as we are used to seeing. You know, and Florio made the point about you, Stephon Diggs getting used the way Cooper Cup has. LQ, I mean, the difference right now, though, with the Rams and the Bills, ostensibly, right? I know the Bills are still very good. They're still playing yeah. the playoffs, what have you. Cooper Cup has a Puka Nakua. Like, yeah. Stephon Diggs doesn't have a Puka Nakua. Game not Puka Nakua. <laughs> I mean, Ryan, I mean, Gabe Davis. Khalil Shakir has been, I think, closer to what we wanted Gabe Davis to be yes. than Gabe Davis has been. I mean, they, they got they, they they still need that secondary receiver. The Rams have found it. The Bills are still looking for that. Yeah. I think it could be Khalil Shakir, man. I mean, look, Josh Allen favors the slot position a lot. So I feel like if you get him going, you start getting him, you know, some touches as well and some opportunity, he could blossom into this second, you know, wide receiver just based on Josh Allen having familiarity with the slot position. I remember we remember Cole Beasley having like over 100 targets in those seasons. So why not create him into that? Because that's really what made Josh Allen's like game kind of elevate. Yeah, and it's a thing that I think people have known for a while, right? We talked about the the Bills still trying to find somebody that, you know, at times maybe they're too reliant on Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. But I think the last year, year and a half have shown you why. They were so reliant on Stefan Diggs for so long. Um, so we'll see. They have another chance, obviously, to uh, for him to step up uh, in a huge game against the Chiefs. Uh, I did see a tweet uh, this morning. I think it was Benjamin Solak who mentioned that um, this is our first Bills-Chiefs game since the change in the overtime playoff rules, which came about because of the last Bills-Chiefs playoff game. Um, Oof, I know you're nervous for it. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I I hesitate to say this out loud, but the the follow up tweet to that was the funniest thing would be if the Bills got the ball first, went down, scored a touchdown. The Chiefs came back, scored a touchdown, got a two point conversion uh, and won the game anyway. I guarantee you one thing. Josh Allen would not cry to Patrick Mahomes after he would handle it and take it like you're supposed to. Ah. The trash talk is like, we, we, maybe we should get Kimmy checks on for Thursday and let you two just go battle it Look, out. Too. I am not going to badmouth the cheat, like the, the utmost respect for them. The only thing I'm going to point out is, is the crying after the game this season. Cause yeah. that was pretty funny to me. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a little unbecoming. I'll say that of, uh, of Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. Come back. We'll talk about the guys that we cannot turn our back on. Look, we're not going to be Paulie and Goodfellas and turn our back on these guys <laughs> just because they were a little bit disappointing in 2023. So we'll talk about a handful of those guys coming up next here on the NFL fantasy football podcast. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. 
because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at tmobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. All right, uh, talking about some guys who maybe were underwhelming in 2023, but we are not ready to give up on them heading into 2024. Uh, we each picked a handful of them. We'll see how many of these we get through. Uh, we'll decide uh, we're going maybe too long on this show. Uh, but, but Laquan, let's start with you. Uh, who is a guy that you were not ready to pull the shoot on just yet? Oh, man, I got the itch, man, for Terry McLaurin. Scary Terry, man. I feel like he's a quarterback away, man. I mean, four seasons in a row, a thousand yards. I mean, can we get him a real quarterback in there? I'm not saying Sam Howe was terrible. Like, he showed flashes, but he's not going to be the guy to stay consistent to elevate Terry McLaurin to this wide receiver one, top 10, you know, wide receivers with this type of play. So they really need to hit home run in this draft, man. I'm looking at Terry McLaurin. I was like trying to go through and look at the quarterbacks that he has played with. And it's terrible. I mean, yeah, Flores, is he, is he like the new, does he get the Allen Robinson award? Like the guy that we need to have a good quarterback, a good player who just has not had a good quarterback yet. <laughs> yeah. And the worst part is, cause I'm with LQ. I cannot quit Terry. Like if LQ didn't write down Terry McLaurin, I would have, because I, I can never quit this guy. I'm always trying to target him and stuff. Yeah. And what makes this year more painful is 1,400 yards and, and a career high in touchdowns if Jacoby Brissett starts all year, which is why I was so bullish on him because I thought he was going to get to start. And, and we saw it in small sample sizes when Brissett played. Him and Terry were on the same page. No offense to Sam Howe. You lead the league in sacks taken. You lead the lead in interceptions. You can't get the ball consistently to your wide receiver one. Sounds like a pretty good backup quarterback, not not a league caliber starter. So yeah. um, I agree, man. This is an important important uh draft for for the commanders and for terry and maybe they they do him a favor like the uh, the panthers did for dj moore and they trade oh, him please. and to play with another quarterback. <laughs> um i'm looking at the quarterbacks who have thrown a touchdown to terry mclaurin case keenum dwayne haskins rest in peace uh kyle allen alex smith taylor heineke carson wentz sam howell jacoby Brissett. wow not exactly a who's who <laughs> of, yeah. of quarterbacks uh, over the last five years. So uh, we'll see what they do in the draft. I, you know, the question is, are they in position to go get themselves a good quarterback? Do they want to after having brought in Sam Howell? There will be a new head coach there. Uh, there's new ownership. Do they completely just uh, overhaul everything 
Uh, we wait and see. Uh, Florio, speaking of quarterbacks, you got a quarterback you're not ready to give up on yet. Yeah, I'm never going to quit on uh, on Anthony Richardson. I know he got hurt this year, and some people are going to point to that because he did get hurt twice in, in four games. Yeah. Uh, he needs to learn to protect himself a little bit more. That doesn't mean stop running. Like, we've seen plenty of these mobile quarterbacks be able to protect themselves. In fact, most of them were the last quarterback standing uh, this season. But in that four-game sample size, uh, he rushed for 56 yards, 35 yards, and 40 yards in three of them with four touchdowns in those three games combined. Plus, we already know what he can do with his legs. We already know he has a cannon of an arm. The, The... Knock against him was like he's kind of raw as a passer. Well, Shane Sykin has shown us that he can elevate passers in the NFL. Michael Pittman is a legit wide receiver one. Hopefully they re-sign him. But I trust Shane Sykin. I trust the rushing ability. And I think Anthony Richardson will surprise a lot of people with what he could do with his arm. And you probably get him around where you were getting him this past year, like a low-end QB1 in drafts because we didn't see a whole lot of him this past year. Yeah. No, uh, we didn't see a whole lot of him this past year. I'll say this, uh, Laquan, where where would you want to take him in a draft, right? Because he's not, we, we haven't seen enough in the NFL for him to be just a lock solid, like, yep, I'm making him a QB1, or have we? I mean, is, is, is the talent and the skill set enough that you're willing to take him, say, as QB11 or 12? 11 or 12 is tough for me. Um I feel like the rushing upside is why we put him into those conversations, but the small sample size, man, for him to be my first quarterback, you know, on my team, low end QB one, I probably will probably pivot to other players that are kind of in that range of proven that have a longer resume, but I do see the appeal for the rushing upside. I just need to see more than four games, you know, like I'm very, very cautious when it comes to quarterbacks, you know, with the QB one, low end one label, at least for me personally, but I need to see more. I mean, the way I drafted him this year, and I think most people did, I I drafted him in a lot of spots, but it was not to be the lockdown, you know, set and forget QB1. I drafted Anthony Richardson because I also drafted, say, what I considered a mid-range quarterback, right? Maybe I drafted Kirk Cousins and uh, Anthony Richardson. Maybe I drafted, I mean, at the time, Dak, say, right? And and paired him with Anthony Richardson. I feel like that's going to happen again. Um, Just... Just because we know he can run the football, we're still not sure about him as a passer, right? He, he had four games. He didn't even finish all four games, but uh, two games with 200 or more yards, never more than 223, uh, two games under 100 yards. Uh, so like, I think we're still, we're still trying to figure out what that part of his game is going to be, and I think it's yeah. hard uh, to make him a, a for sure QB1 until we have a better idea of what that's going to be. But it also leads me to the guy that I can't give up on, and that's Jonathan Taylor, because there was only one game this year where they were on the field together, speaking of Taylor and Anthony Richardson. That was in week five. That was Taylor's first game back after the contract situation, after being on the pup list, um, and he was not anywhere close to being at full strength. It was still the Zach Moss show at that time. Um, In that first game of week five, uh, Taylor had six carries for 18 yards, had one target there for 16 yards. But that was also the game where Richardson got hurt, ended up being out for the year. Gardner Minshew took over. We know how good Taylor can be. We know that I think when all things are equal, the Colts want to make him their RB1. 
I want to see what it's like when they're running RPOs back there and defenses have to figure out, do we stop Richardson running the ball? Do we stop Jonathan Taylor? And how effective that offense can be? Because we really didn't see it this past year. Um, I'm curious to see where the ADP is going to land on Taylor. Uh, He's not a first rounder. I don't know. Laquan, is he a second rounder, third rounder? Where where is he right now? In my tiers and my rankings, I got him right outside that first round. So the 13th spot will be like where I got him now. And he could possibly creep. I don't know, but I got him right outside first round. Agree, Mike? Yeah, you know I can't quit Jonathan Taylor, but I have him as round two because um, I I worry about how much he's going to be utilized in the passing game. And you know me that if I'm taking a first round running back, I I need them to catch passes. Yeah, I mean, that is one thing that, uh, you know, Taylor's never done a ton of in his career. I He was the he's the guy that, you know, I always say just because you've never seen a guy do it doesn't mean mm-hmm. he can't do it. And Jonathan Taylor yeah. was kind of one of those guys because the offense at he, Wisconsin wasn't built to throw the football to running backs. Um, but we did see his second season, uh, you know, 40 catches, a couple of uh, receiving touchdowns. So it may be not his strong suit, but it's not completely out of the he, out of the realm of possibility. We'll see what other running backs are back there next year in, in he Indianapolis. Can catch passes. I just worry, is Anthony Richardson going to be a quarterback? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair, too. That's I mean, true. Will he pull it down and just run it himself as opposed to just throwing the, the little dump off? We'll see. Um Speaking of running backs that everybody loved coming out of college, Laquan, you, you still have one there on your list. Yeah, I can't k- quit Javante Williams just based on we know the talent. We saw the talent. You know, he's recovering back from a torn ACL and a new head coach coming in with Sean Payton. And the good thing about Sean Payton is that he's going to get, you know, the running backs involved in the passing game. And I think, you know, with him and Samaje seeing over 55 targets, it's very encouraging because he kind of was like eased in the first couple of weeks to get involved in the passing game and then, he kind of finished strong. So I feel like there was a lot of distractions, you know, with the Broncos team. It was overall just a bad Broncos team. So I can't quit him, man. If he ends up as my RB2 next season, I'm going to be very happy about it because just his involvement in the passing game. Does the quarterback situation have any impact on how you feel about him? Not really. Just based on I know whoever they bring in, even is Jared Stidham or whoever they have back there. I know that the running backs are going to be involved. So in PPR leagues, you, you got to chase that upside for a guy that's now when you're removed from that torn ACL. So I'm full sending him if I can get him. Yeah, I'm with you. I love Javante. Right. And I remember, him, man. I remember the range of emotions I went through when he was drafted because I'd scouted a lot of his tape and I was like, I really like this guy. Then he went to Denver where they already had a couple of guys. Um, and it was sort of Adam Rank that talked me off the ledge and got me to kind of buy back into it again. And, you know, then unfortunately had the knee injury, all sorts of things. Um, but I, I do love the skill set. And I think I think to your point, Laquan, He's in an offense where who knows what's going to happen next year. Um, yeah. And maybe maybe Sean Payton decides to use him sort of like Alvin Kamara a little bit more because we know he can catch the football 47 catches this year. You know, we'll see what becomes of Samaj P. Ryan or you know what they do with Jaleel McLaughlin next year, what have you. But another great talent, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I also think that he's going to come at a decent ADP, too. Right. Yeah. So you're not going to have to really expect a ton of production out of him. Yeah. Um, so there it is. Uh, all right, Florio, let's let's do this. Go for it. I can already feel everyone's <laughs> eyes rolling as I'm going to say this, but oh for the every year he's been in the NFL, Kyle Pitts has been my guy, and uh, I am 
Not I. So I will say during this season, I started to wash my hands of him, and I was like, "Look, after like week six or whatever it was, I was like." I'm not going to keep telling you to start him. It's not happening. Jonu Smith is the guy that Arthur Smith loves. But two big things have happened that have quickly pulled me back in. Arthur Smith is gone. Uh, it does depend who they hire like, and who their quarterback is. If they trade for Justin Fields and hire Ben Johnson, like this offense could be one of the most fun in the league. Um, one, I, I've never doubted. Kyle Pitts' talent, uh, he has shown us from the moment he's entered the league that he could play this position at a high level. But to the second point that I don't know if it's getting enough talk, Pitts posted after the season that like he was still dealing with that knee injury from that he suffered late in the year before that ended his season and he was never fully healthy. Um, and if you remember back to like the summer, he was in training camp with a big knee brace early on in the year. We were saying stuff like Pitts is he's not cutting right. He doesn't look as fast and as smooth as he normally does. So I think with being free of Arthur Smith and with having a full year and a regular offseason to kind of recover and hopefully get acclimated with whoever their new quarterback is, because they do not have a quarterback that should be starting next year on their roster. Um, <laughs> if those things happen. I will be in on Kyle Pitts again. Now I'll tell you, I don't know if I'm going to put him top five tight end again, because I've already seen people say like he, and I'm like, I, I could think of four right off the bat in McBride, Laporta, <laughs> Andrews and Kelsey that I would take over Kyle Pitts after those four. I think we have a conversation like Kincaid and Pitts and, and these other up and comers. So uh, he'll be a tight end one for me, top 10 for sure. And I'm not quitting him. So I am currently in a way too early mock draft, a slow draft for next season. And I will tell you the order of tight. I drafted Kyle Pitts. Let me just start with that. Let's right? go. Nice. Um, I drafted Kyle Pitts in the sixth round of this draft, and he was tight end number one, two, three, four, five. I got him as the fifth tight end. Now, TJ Hawkinson went ahead of him. That feels a little uh, optimistic. Um, after the you know the late season knee injury, uh, so that probably won't actually happen when we get to real drafts. But I took him the uh, the last pick of the sixth round. Um, I guess I could have flipped it around and taken him with the first pick of the seventh round and make it seem a little bit better. Um, actually, so let me say, let me take that back. So he's tied into one, two, three, four. Uh, five, six, seven. Actually, I got him as tight end seven. Now that uh, I'm looking at this again, sorry, just trying to scroll and scroll and talk all at the same time. That's actually where I got him ranked, like seven or eight. So I've got him as tight end seven into the sixth round. Start of the seventh round uh, is kind of where I have him right now, which that feels like a pretty good price. I'll ask you this, Florio. Bill Belichick interviewed with the Falcons. Um, <laughs> does that make you feel okay potentially about Kyle Pitts? Look, Belichick coached one of the greatest tight ends of all time, right? And Rob Gronkowski, can he make it work with Pitts? Easily, yes. And and I think, uh, especially if he brings like Josh McDaniels or something like that to call the plays, because we know that, that they'll design a ton to go to the tight end position. Um, the big question, maybe even more than head coach for me, though, is who's going to be throwing him the ball? Like, yeah. that, that is one we need an answer to. And, and when we get it, I'll probably be sucked back into Pitts if it's someone good. Justin Fields. Yeah, that's, that's what funny. I'm rooting for. My wife Absolutely. saw the uh, my wife saw the news about Bill Belichick interviewing. She's like, "Why does he have to interview? It's Bill Belichick. Like, yeah. <laughs> like if, he wants, if he wants the job, just give him the job. Like, what's, what's going on here? 
I was like, I still tweet that I was like, do you have any references? And it's just him with the six rings on his hands. <laughs> uh, <laughs> been a, there were a lot of good jokes about that. You know, somebody quote tweeted it with, uh, can you talk about a time you faced the significant odds and how you overcame them? Obviously a reference to 28 to three. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we'll just keep the, let's keep the Falcons love going because you can't give up on Kyle Pitts. I can't completely give up on Drake London for a lot of the same reasons. I mean, another big body, talented receiver who all things considered was not terrible this year, but he definitely had a cap on him because of the quarterback situation there in Atlanta. But uh, for Drake London, I mean, it was a year where he had 900 receiving yards, only the two touchdowns. Uh, you know, the the catch rate, not great. 110 targets, just 69 catches. Um, but, you know, how much of that had to do with the quarterback situation? Just, you know, 63% catch rate um, without looking. I don't I would imagine that he had a lot of targets that probably weren't catchable um, during <laughs> during the season. So I'm I think it's a lot of the same things Florio talked about with Kyle Pitts. The quarterback situation is going to play a large part in this and whatever the Falcons decide to do in terms of bringing somebody in, um, you know, I think that's what we're kind of waiting on to see right now. But I think Drake London has been on the fringes of that. You know, he's been a, a wide receiver, too. Uh, I think there's more. I think there's still possibly more for him to be there that he can get closer, maybe not being in the top 12, but certainly a lot closer than he is right now. But so I, much I of it has to do with with, you know, the guys throwing in the football. I don't know. He should be having Mike Evans numbers right now. If he had a quarterback, honestly, how talented he is. I mean, yep. I don't think that's crazy. Um, no. You know, I, look, I'm not saying he's going to, you know, run over together a streak of 10 straight years of a thousand yards or whatever oh, no. it is. Arthur that Smith made sure that didn't happen. But but <laughs> uh, I mean, he can be one of those guys, I think, in, in yeah. the right situation there. Uh, let's go one more round. Uh, this name, I saw this on the list, uh, Laquan, that this surprised me, but I will, I'm going to let you cook. Go for it. Let me cook, man. I can't quit Chuba Herbert. Now I was going into this off season, like a little bit, like on the low of him, like you got Miles Sanders there, but it's clear that Miles Sanders is not the guy. I mean, he's clearly not giving maximum effort as hungry as, you know, Chuba Herbert. And I think he could have cracked a thousand yards if they didn't delay his touches, you know, the first six weeks of football. And then they finally made the change. I mean, Chuba had six games this season with 20 touches versus Miles Sanders, only one game with 20 touches. And that was in week one for Miles Sanders. So of course you're going into the season with your contract guy who has a four-year contract, by the way, with the Panthers. And it's already looking like, you know, Chuba Hubbard has taken this RB1 role. So he's going to be very, very cheap. You're probably not even going to hear his name pop up much. And if he survives the draft, if he survives, you know, free agency and he's the guy, I mean, look, he's hungry. He's, he can run well. And I just feel as though he has a lot under his belt now. And I mean, playing behind Deontay Foreman, you know, that that one year and then now behind Miles Sanders and taking over to RB1 role. I think you're going to be getting a guy that's like a sneaky sleeper that can be productive because he has some very productive weeks this season, man. I will say this. I mean, I guess I can't I can't not quit Chuba Hubbard. Um, she never started. Right. That's like, you see where I was going I'm with this. Like I was, today. I was like the the walk around this bush was going to be a really long one, but you saw where I was going. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can't, I can't not quit him or I can't quit him because I was never really there in the first place. I, I, you know, I, I didn't expect anything out of Miles Sanders this year and he gave me kind of what I thought, but the other part of it was, I didn't think anything about Chuba Hubbard because I'm like, if we don't like the frontline guy, how am I going to get excited about the guy behind him? Yeah. 
Uh, Hubbard proved me wrong. I mean, when he got that opportunity midway through the season, he played pretty well, all things considered, uh, you know, in an offense that was was really, really miserable. Um, at some point, I'm going to go back and try to watch the Panthers offense. Um, watch gonna, the Bucks game, the one in December. It was okay, good, because I was like, I'm going to need a lot of coffee probably to, <laughs> uh, to get me through it. But I do, I do want to kind of watch this and see where they need to improve, which is a lot of places, mm-hmm. um, but we'll see there. Uh, Florio, you got a guy who is near and dear to all of our hearts, to all of us who play fantasy football. Um, it was a rough year for Austin Eckler, but we are hoping for more. Yeah, I, I was an Austin Eckler stand before it was cool, so let's go full <laughs> circle, and I'm going to be an, an Austin Eckler stand after it's cool because, um, every, I mean, this year was weird all around for Austin Eckler. Like, Marcus, you'll, you'll remember back at – Chargers training camp, we were talking about his contract and not, I mean, we were talking about like the offense and the season and stuff like that, but the the focal point was like his contract and and running back contracts and stuff like that. So uh, it never fully felt like this was for the first time in his seven year career with the Chargers, it felt like there were some cracks and maybe both sides were kind of seeing uh, that there's, they're going to go in a different direction after this year. And uh, you look at Austin Eckler. I know. Listen, RB twenty five. I, I get it. Didn't live up to the the first round pick. Big bust. I get it. But you look at his game log as a receiver. Pretty on par with what he was in the past. They just were throwing him the ball a lot less. As a runner, his numbers did take a hit. But I, I keep. I know I sound like a broken record at this point. I can't stop thinking that that high ankle sprain that he suffered in week one that put him on the IR uh, hampered his season because last year he looked like the all pro all world running back this yeah. year. He looked like a complete shell of himself. I don't think I know drop-offs happen fast in the NFL, but that one seemed like it was too egregious. And uh, so I, I'm thinking that that ankle injury had something to do with it. I'm just hoping that next year he ends up on a team that is willing to throw the ball to him a bunch, unlike the Chargers were this past year. But we're going to get him cheaper than we've gotten Austin Eckler since Melvin Gordon was in the Chargers. So because of that, uh, I, I will not quit. And I, if he goes, what round do you guys think Austin Eckler goes in next year? Oh, depends where he lands with team. If he's a commander. I mean, right now, yeah. I'd say five, six. I, I was thinking like fourth, fifth. I'll take him in that range. I was about to say fifth. Day. Yeah, fifth. So, fifth would be good. Yeah, I mean, and so. so much of it is going to be landing spot. Because he's talking like practice squad. Like he, he's setting the bar low for him. Like what he's talking about. All yeah. Time. Austin, you're way better than a Please. practice squad. You're better than a practice squad. You are one. Like you look, I mean, look, I mean, practice squad. Leonard Fournette spent a good chunk of the season on the practice squad and finally came up at the end of the year. Austin Eckler has more to offer still right now than Leonard Fournette does. Um, but look, we know the reality. Teams aren't paying running backs. Um, and we'll see how, what the market is out there for him. Someone will sign him. The question is who it will be and what kind of role uh, he can have in that offense. Uh, my last one is Kyler Murray. Um, because we, we had to wait a while and we knew this coming into the season, right? He had just come off the ACL. We had to wait a while before he finally got on the field. And even then it took him a while for him to kind of, kind of get back into form, but he did have some nice games, some nice fantasy games along the way. He had uh, three rushing touchdowns in his first three games back. I had some decent passing numbers, no huge passing numbers, but he did give you a few 20 point games. 
some of it's going to be the cast around him. Like what happens? You know, I, Marquise Brown, does he come back? Do they re-sign him? Um, you know, what happens with some of the other younger receivers around? I mean, Greg Dortch had some nice games somewhere. Does Rondale Moore ever become a thing in this offense? Uh, you know, Trey McBride is a nice starting, but Trey McBride can sort of be his Mark Andrews, if you will, right? Um, there are pieces there to be had. Uh, the Cardinals will have some decent draft picks, uh, at least the draft draft spot. So I think there's still a lot of life left in Kyler Murray. Um, I don't know if he becomes an afterthought in drafts and people kind of forget about what happened and he falls down the board a little bit because there's so many of these other quarterbacks we're talking about that Kyler's name doesn't quite come up. Uh, but I think there's still a lot of upside there. There's a lot of QB1 upside. Maybe he doesn't run the way he did earlier in his career, but we know he can still run. If the Cardinals are committed to continuing to build around him, because the chance for the Caleb Williams sweepstakes is over. Um, there's still some, there's still some life there. Uh, I don't know, Florio. I mean, I know you were a big Michael Wilson proponent there. I mean, there's still, there's still reason to be optimistic. Yeah. Kyler Murray, like he was running. I, I thought, you know, in like last May, I was like, are they even going to play him? And then I was like, okay, they're going to play him. We got past that. But it was like, is he going to run? And he proved me and a lot of people wrong every step of the way. Uh, there, there's a lot of juice there, like you were saying still, and I think he's only going to get better as a runner being another year removed from that, that ACL injury. There's a lot of studies that show that the more time you get away from it, the more speed and burst you kind of get back. Um, I'm with you, Marcus. I, I'm in on Kyler, but the beautiful thing about it is he's no way is he going to be a top five quarterback. He no. might be like mm -hmm. QB eight or nine off the board. Yeah, and that, that's still a great two quarterback, you know, yeah. when it comes down to it. And definitely Michael Wilson's like one of my favorite, you know, rookie wide receivers that's on that team. And it's like he he, he can develop into a nice wide receiver, too. But it's a matter if they bring Hollywood Brown back or if they bring somebody else's back, you know, great Dorch. You know, he's like Marcus said, he he's making plays somewhere, you know, if it's on special teams, if it's in the slot. But I, I'm I'm still in on Kyler Murray as well. Like, I'm not completely out yet. Uh, real quick, Kyler or Tua? Kyler. Uh, Kyler, yeah. <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, like that just sounds nuts. Kyler <laughs> or Kyler or Trevor Lawrence? Oh, Kyler. Kyler. Trevor's done. I quit him. Wow. I I'm so done. Trevor Lawrence for now. He needs Christian Kirk. That's all. I'll take Anthony Richardson over him in fantasy. I mean, I'm not. I'm not done with Trevor Lawrence, but I think you know. I think at some point, it's just like, all right, he's. He's not the generational, he's not the generational quarterback that that maybe he, he was touted to be. That part's not his fault. He didn't. He's not the one who asked for that label. It was just given yeah. to him. Jordan Love is um, taking his spot in my heart. But I, I like that. All right, all right. Yeah, Jordan Love right now is looking like the quarterback we thought Trevor Lawrence might be. At least, yeah. Uh, you know, I know it's been one season as a starter, but that's kind of where we're headed right now. Quarterback's going to be sneakily mm -hmm. deep next year at, in, for fantasy purposes. I'm looking at my rank as I'm like, yeah, it's going to be deep. No, be good. I think you're right. And I think it's, you know what? If you want to go early, you can find a guy there that you like. If you want to go later, you're going to find some guys there that you like too. So yeah. um, a situation where every draft strategy might be appropriate. Uh, of, course, of course, you know, every draft strategy works if you pick the right players.
That's the whole trick. <laughs> and knew the future. Hashtag draft good players. That's the whole deal there. Uh, all right. That was a pretty full episode there. Uh, we'll be back with you on Thursday. We will start to dive into the divisional round. Uh, and we'll find some other things to you know gab about for 45 minutes to an hour or so as well. So uh, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. For Florio, for Laquan and Marcus, stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. We'll talk to you again later this week. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Active's users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.